Boom! There it is, ladies and gents. Hey, are you a salesperson wanting to get more sales, learning how that business works? Then today's episode is for you. You found the right spot. Let's get this thing going. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Is your business in need of customers? Then you found the right show. Hernan Cias is the business bro, and he makes getting customers fun and easy. Watch, listen, and learn as each episode is designed to sell. Welcome to another episode of Business Pro. Yeah, there you go. All right, ladies and gents, let's drop some heat. Just a friendly reminder to uh, like, share, and subscribe because every time you do, you help an entrepreneur find a customer and a customer find a solution to their problem. All right, ladies and gents, it feels like technology is changing overnight. Imagine having to stay up to date with consumer tech needs, business tech needs, and training salespeople and making them do the same thing. Man, sounds like a daunting task. And yet today's guest has been doing that for over three decades. He spent thousands of hours on the field, on the phone, working with customers and salespeople, which resulted in a career uh, in, in a career of building several successful companies. He's now an author, speaker, and co-founder, the VP and general manager of Gap Wireless. And we're excited to have him on the show. So let's welcome to the show, Glenn Paula. All right, Glenn, welcome to the program, my friend. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. What an epic introduction. It's amazing. <laughs> Remember what I said? The goal is to make you smile and talk about your business in the highest energy Mission possible. Accomplished. <laughs> all right, let's do this thing. I love always asking that very first question. Um, yeah. You're obviously going on podcast tours, getting on people's shows, getting out there, and now you landed on the Business Bros podcast. Why are you going from show to show, getting your message out? Why are you doing this? Because I want to know. Basically, I'm uh, trying to sell some books. I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, I spent 30 years thinking about writing a book and finally, uh, during the pandemic, decided to get up the gumption to actually do it. And, uh, and now that it's out there, I'm, uh, you know, doing the uh, virtual speaking tour as it is now. And uh, I, I love, I love how simplistic your answer was. Because you ask, I've asked, I mean, you are episode like 960 something. I've asked this question a lot. And people run in a lot of different tangents, and yet you're a salesperson, and you got down to the point. Man, I'm here to sell books. Uh, you you talk to and train a lot of salespeople. How much of it is beat around the bush, and how much of it is get to the point? Yeah, the uh, yeah the, I, the that's the way the book came about is because I have a lot of stories and a lot of points that I get to with people, and I try to cut through the. Uh, you know, the BS or the, you know, the excuses that we, that people come across over the years and uh, in myself and in others that I saw. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm known for calling it as it is. And, um, you know, and as the years wore on, have worn on and I get older and older, um, you know, my ability to, you know, to be blunt, not blunt in an, in a negative way, but honest and uh, forthright has gone up as well. I've noticed, you know, I, I struggled earlier on maybe to say some of the hard things to people like you're lazy or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as time wore on, you know, you, you, you get more comfortable and, uh, yeah. So now I pretty much call it as it is. So 
Well, good. Let's let's do that then. Let's talk about what made you want to write this book. You've obviously had three decades of experience in practice. You've built a number of companies. So let's just list it out. What 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 are your skills? What are your credentials? Skills I've acquired over a very long career. So the um, you know I guess my best skill uh call it a skill or maybe it's a lack of lack of uh foresight or whatever is to take action um is to boldly take action and um uh you know i had uh, i had dinner with a guy the other night who i knew uh growing up in the business and he was like you know like how dude how did you quit your job at 29 and um you know and start a business and I said, oh, did I tell you that I'd only been married for like seven days the day I did it? <laughs> and I said, by the way, I went, honey, by the way, I quit my job. And she's like, what? And um, so, I, you know, when I when I was out there selling the, you know, uh, starting in around 1985, um, I started seeing sort of uh, patterns emerge with people. And um, I started uh, naming them after people, you know, and uh, and then at the end, I would call it factor, you know, like the Tony factor, something like that. Mm. Right? And and in my mind and, uh, you know, that would in sort of uh, solidify the lesson that I wanted to teach myself. Right. Either a good lesson or, a bad, you know, don't do this or do that or that kind of a thing. I started writing them down. Then I started repeating them, you know, and then I, you know people got to know me for my, my factors. Right. And, uh, some people started asking me to speak at their, at their companies and share some of my, my, uh, my wisdom and my knowledge and my factors with them. And then of course they're like, Oh, you should write a book. And, and, uh, and so of course, you know, uh, I said, yeah, I probably should. And, and proceeded to not do it. Right. And, uh, but I kept writing down the rules and, um, and over the years, just more and more, um, you know, and there's uh, got s- several stories about the businesses that I started and I've sold over the years, which we can get into if there's time. And, um, you know, the it wasn't until the sort of the pandemic where I finally, you know, didn't have anywhere to go. We were all sort of locked up. I'm in uh, near Toronto, Canada, and we were we were sort of fully locked down. There was no, you know, no restaurant. Nothing was open. Right. So. Uh, weekends, evenings was, uh, was at home. And I decided I was going to, uh, put myself to the task on weekends in the morning, uh, to start seeing if I could get through the book. And as I like to tell people, uh, you know, a few months later, uh, I had 75,000 words and I sent it to, uh, I sent it to a content and a copy editor. And after they took the F word out of the book, I had 71,000 <laughs> words left. And, uh, they're like, dude, you can't swear that much in a book. And I'm like, that's the way I talk. And they're like, hey, you get three Fs and a couple of dams and that's it, right? And uh, I'm like, okay, fine. Um, you know, so 71,000 words later, had a book and, um, you know, then went through the process of coming up with covers and further edits and fact checking and stuff. So it was basically just writing down the rules and and finally buckling down and writing the book. So I love, uh, I love how you call them the factors, right? The Tony factor, whoever it is. Uh, it reminds me of what my brother said about SOP. So when he came into business, his thing is all about standard operating procedures, right? Write the step, do a step, write the step, do a step, you know, and so forth. It's super simple. Um, sounds super simple, but he said he learned it in the Navy because in the Navy, all the rules are written in blood. In other words, right. it's only a process and procedure because somebody done hurt themselves, cut themselves, or, you know, something happened where that rule had to come into place. And so I'm wondering, you have different factors. Are there some that are maybe, you know, maybe that's not a factor I want to be named after, but, you know, definitely <laughs> well, relevant and important? 
that's a really good point. No, you don't want to be named after them. And of course, I had to change all the names to protect the guilty, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, all my buddies from uh, growing up in the business, they they sort of like uh, rushed through the book, reading it or whatever, because they all knew that there were factors and they knew they were named after people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and a couple of them are like, oh, is that one named after me? Or was that, you know, and of course I'm like, oh, I, I would, you know, I, I, I'm trying to keep it, uh, you know, uh, keep it uncertain, right? Because um, some of them are general rules, you know, that uh, they're not specifically a person specifically. Some are directly related to a person. And, um, but I, but I, you know, I altered everyone's name just to, uh, just to protect their anonymity. Protect the innocent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Most of the time they were bad rules. So it was mostly to protect the guilty, actually. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But you said something else that caught my attention. You decided during... Um, COVID to put yourself to the task to writing this book. Uh, and I, I wrote something myself. I didn't publish it, but I wrote it for my own means. And it was my podcasting process so that I can teach others to do the same thing. And it was the same type of process. I'm like, okay, look, it's COVID. I'm going to wake up every morning and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write out a page, right? One page at least. It turned into some days I did one page, some days I did four pages. It just depended on how the flow state went. But the fact that I was determined to do this, I set a time, I set an action, and then I did it, made the completion of it possible. Was the best? Probably not. Could I have made it a book and sold it? Probably, maybe, I don't know. But it didn't matter. I I decided on a goal and I took action. How much of that process that you've accomplished things do you credit to just, I did it and I figured it out as I went along? Well, the, uh, that's a great question because, um, when I decided I was going to write the book, you know, in quotation marks, I did what I always do, which is don't know the answer better. What might as well Google it. Right. And so I Googled, how do I write a book? And, um, I always tell the story that unfortunately I couldn't remember the guy's name. He was on a podcast. I just clicked play. I started listening and he was this really, you know, knowledgeable guy. And he started saying, he said, look, if you want to write a book, it's super simple. You just get, you just uh, commit to writing 500 words every day until the book's done. Right. So I thought about it and never, I didn't listen to any more book podcasts or anything like that. And um, I said, uh, you know what? I can't do uh, 500 words every day because I have this whole other process I do every morning and I just don't have time for that. And, and I'm not likely to do it at night. And so I said, but you know what, on the weekends, I'm kind of, you know, in free for all mode. And um, in the first few hours of the morning, I'm not that I'm not doing anything very productive other than enjoying, you know, enjoying that quiet time. Right. And I said, I'm going to I'm going to write 2000 words on the weekend instead of 500 a day. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I committed that, uh, you know, in order to get it done, that I would I would start no matter what on the weekend, I would write 2000 words. And if it was took me two days to get them done, that was fine. Or if I could write 2000 on one day and 2000 the next, then I would do that too. And, um, and that's sort of how I committed to doing it. And then, you know, a lot of times the way I do things, right. Is, um, I kind of look, I kind of start with the end in mind. Uh, You know, that's a very common saying, but I do that all the time. I don't, I don't actually see the middle. I don't even care about the middle. I just figure out, need a book. And got to write a book, start writing, and before I knew it, the book was done. Of course, I had to add, get it edited and all that stuff. But um, that's that's how I started my two companies. That's how I, um, you know, that's how I wrote the book. That's how I do everything. And um, 
Yeah, most people think I'm insane when I say it. I said, you know, and that's why I came up with one of the sayings. I didn't, uh, I didn't come up with it, but uh, that I always use is "Hear me now and believe me later." Right? Mm. And uh, and you know, because I just, I just see it in my mind, and then I, uh, then I automatically just start filling in the blanks as I go. But that clarity of vision is so important. I mean, you hear it over and over and over again. A man without a vision will perish, right? He will lose. And you see it in business all the time. People who don't set goals don't achieve anything. People who don't have a specific North Star are lost, right? Like it just doesn't happen. You, even as simple as it is, 2,000 words on a weekend. This is my goal. It gets done. Now, Life could happen. Maybe you're sitting down and you're writing a thousand words in, you know, somebody crashes into the wall or, you know, there's a power outage or whatever. You're still moving forward, right? You're still moving in that direction. And it brought to fruition your book, right? Never sit in the lobby. 57 winning sales factors to grow a business and build a career selling. So who is this book? Who did you write it for? Who is your ideal client? I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. So it's funny, you know, because now that the book's out, I've had some comments about the book and what have you. And and um, I, I, in a way, I didn't really think about that when at the beginning. I just wrote the book because I wasn't writing down a, a rest. A, um, I wasn't creating a manual on how to make, you know, your mom's chili or something like that, right? I was just writing down the rules that I'd learned over the years in a book form. Right. And I thought, hopefully it'll be good. And, you know, there's some funny parts in it and there's some disaster stories of, you know, and, uh, and so it wasn't a recipe, uh, a recipe card. Right. But some guys have said like, Oh, you know, you, you have to, you have to bring your book, modernize your book for the modern age and digital selling and all that. And I, but I realized that that's not what well, my book is actually for people that still make sales calls. That's who it's for. Hmm. It's for people that are selling or presenting, face-to-face in front of a, either front of customers, uh, visiting customers or doing presentations in front of customers. It's not for uh, uh, this vast array of socially sold products that are done almost on the internet via, um, you know, a series of interviews. And I say it's, you know, it's not for the click funnel crowd, if you will. And um, it's for guys that have to make sales calls, guys and girls and uh, get in the door, open the door, phone a guy. Hey, Hey, sorry, this is a cold call. You want to hang up on me or give me 30 seconds? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. That's who it's for. And um, what do you what do you say to people who tell you the modern age is here? People don't pick up the phone anymore. We don't make sales calls. You need to send video DMs. You need to have a funnel. You need to do all these things. Um, and yet people still make sales calls. There's still outbound calls being done every single day. My phone rings every day with people calling me, right? These are salespeople selling their products or services all the time. Uh, so what is your response to those people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always arguing with people about that stuff because lots of people make phone calls and lots of stuff gets, everything gets sold. Uh, like, you know, the a lot of the beginning is on the phone, right? It really is. And the person, you know, I'm always telling people like, oh, how do you craft a good email or whatever? I said, look, first thing, if it's more than a paragraph, delete it and make a phone call. The guy's not going to read two paragraphs, right? That's so right. unless you can sell the world in one paragraph, you're doing the wrong thing if you're trying to do it electronically, right? And the other the other thing I always uh, like to say is don't confuse marketing with selling, right? If mm. you're in sales, your job is to sell. You're not in marketing. And what I mean by that is like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Right? And I'm like, I mean... Unless you're in front of the customer selling, 
you know, doing that, you know, you can be on the phone talking to them as well, making an appointment, the, whatever it takes to get in front of them and do the selling, that selling, everything else is marketing. All that lead generation, all that click funneling, all that stuff is marketing's job to get you in front of the customer if you're a salesperson, right? If you're your own marketing department because you're a team of one or what have you, and there's only one person in your company, well, that's different. But most companies, you know, they need to split that function and they need to keep them separate. A lot of sales guys get comfortable in their chair. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm doing, mm -hmm. my, oh, Monday's my LinkedIn day, you know, and they're, you know, sending out all these automated um, messages on LinkedIn or whatever. Most of that stuff I can tell, it's, I just delete those, all those things. But when a guy phones me, he usually gets my attention. There's, there's chapters in the book on how I treat people that call me and how I treat people who I call. And, um, so I'm all about the phone and I'm all about being in front of the customers and, you know, we're selling hardware that, that doesn't sell itself and can't be sold, uh, online. Can't it, it, people want to touch it. They want to try it. Um, and sometimes they want to hang it 400 feet up in the air and, and put cell phone signals through it. Right. So, um, well, let's, yeah. let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about what you get paid to do. If you're good at something, never do it for free. So, so we, we sell measuring instruments. So instruments that measure electronic signals that engineers use to, to characterize anything from an, uh, from a wireless network to a circuit board. Uh, and, you know, basically it's called test and measurement equipment and it's a whole, you know, um, you know, industry in and of itself. And, uh, if you go in schools, you look on the, on the engineering benches, you see all these instruments and things, or in any kind of a factory, you see instruments, we sell those kind of instruments and we sell also sell all the network hardware that goes into building a wireless network, a cellular wireless network. So if you look up on any cell phone tower, you'll see all sorts of cable, all sorts of things hanging off that tower. And of course, giant antennas up at the top, those long panel antennas. If you look in a stadium, you're going to look up and see antennas. That's what we sell. We sell all that stuff. The only thing we don't sell is the cell phone and the base station, and um, we sell everything else that that helps to uh, help helps to power the network. And as we like to say, there's a lot of wires in wireless. And, uh, <laughs> so we, so sell, we sell a lot of wire. You know, fiber funny, optic. Yeah. It's true, right? This is the 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 foundation of how the wireless system works. It's connected somewhere. It may not be connected to your exactly. phone, but it's connected at some point, and somebody's got to set all that stuff up. That's right. And that's that's exactly what you guys are doing. So you <clears throat> you've been doing this for thirty years. You've been in sales business uh, for thirty years. You've gone through the ups and downs. You've heard I don't know how many countless no's. How many people have hung up the phone, yelled at you? all those different things. And I feel like in your book, you've written these rules to kind of narrow down the process. I know when I pick up the yeah. phone, you got like two to three seconds. First of all, be there on the phone, right? I pick up the phone and I'm waiting for somebody else on the other line to get on. Be there on the phone, number one. And then what do we say, right? Like this is one of the things that holds so many people up on making sales calls is I don't know what to say. What do you tell people? So usually I... Um... You know, I'm not the only one that, that says this, but uh, I, I use the 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 simple line that, hey, this is a, if I don't know them, I say, hey, this is a cold call. You know, you can either hang up or you can give me 30 seconds. And, uh, and usually they usually they give you the 30 seconds. They're like, okay, you got 30 seconds, go. Right. And then I say, you know, and of course I use different examples, you know, talking about my equipment to uh, John Q. Public's kind of like, uh, you know, doesn't make sense because they're not used to electronic signals. And so, uh, but, you know, I often use the example of a tow motor or something like that. You know, 
in that 30 seconds, I'll say, look, our new, you know, lithium ion based, uh, you know, electronic electric tow motors are, are uh, you know, serving industries. They're saving companies 20 percent a year in cost. They're they operate 20 percent longer. They lift 20 percent more, that kind of a thing, you know, and I'd like to set up an appointment to drop by and, and see your people, um, you know, to show you our new product or something like that. And basically give them uh, something compelling to their, you know, I'll, I'm always trying to appear, I use the word greed a lot in the book, you know, to, to appear to people's greedy side, what's in it for them, what can they get, or what would they not get if they don't talk to me, right? I mean, mm. specifically what what sort of outcome I'm like trying to shoot for and, um, you know, and try to get it concisely into 20 to 30 seconds, either face-to-face on like on the phone, face-to-face kind of thing, or over the over a voicemail i always leave a voicemail and then i follow it up with an email and so and then my key is to try to get in front of them that's my key and i always and again sort of another rules i always start that one of the chapters called shit flows downhill right i'm and i always give them the analogy call the ceo and hey say to them look we've got these great new tow motors you know and you know they're they last 20 percent longer they're more efficient this that the other they list more you know you need less units etc etc and the guy's like i don't care about freaking tow motors call you know call by me vp of warehousing you know and then he hangs up right and uh and you know so i call the vp of warehousing and i say hey we got these great new tow motors you know i just talking to the ceo he said you gotta have a look at them mm-hmm. and he's like mm-hmm. i don't care about the tow motors call Jack. He's in charge of the warehouse, right? I called Jack. I said, Jack, man, I've been speaking all day. I've been on the phone all day. I've been talking to your VP, your CEO. He's saying, you guys got to look at these tow motors. When can I bring one by for you to have a look at, right? Before you know it, the, you know, I'm all the way, I find out who the right guy is. And, and of course, if it's a hundred thousand dollar tow motor, you know, the CEO or the president or someone high up is going to sign off on it. It isn't going to be Jack, the warehouse manager, right? right? So at any point in that process, I can always go back and I can check in with the VP. I can check in with the CEO. I say, look, I know you're going to be signing off on this thing. The unit's in there. They're using it. They're getting things. I'm there, you know, uh, I'm right there right now. Can you pop down for two minutes and have a look at this thing? It'll blow your mind, right? Before you know it, the VP or the CEO or the president or someone high up rolling down to see what this Glenn guy's all yammering on about. And, you know, and we sell cool things, right? So, you know, we're uh, I'll, in my world, I'm showing them our instruments or our, our technology. And they usually, you know, a lot of times they hang around and see what it's all about. And I can, any point I can then maneuver around the building, talk to Jack in the warehouse, or I can talk to the CEO, the VP or what have you. And those, those people higher up will also tell me who else will sign off. You know, the, the finance guy who's in finance, the procurement person who the right people are, they'll often tell you how to negotiate, not negotiate, but maneuver through their 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 company and get the deal done right uh yeah most people are jack sent it upstairs i'm waiting like the salesman will say oh well jack i sent him a quote and he said he sent it up to the powers that be right Mm -hmm. and uh who's the powers that be i don't know right because you didn't do it because you didn't start from the top you didn't you didn't go and your shit didn't flow downstream you just started right there in the middle right you can't you can't have a clogged toilet bro it's got to start somewhere (laughs) I love how you uh, you also broke down the call, right? It's like you were authentic right off the bat. Hey, man, look, this is a cold call. Give me 30 seconds or hang up, right? And you're laying it out there. I think people like that authenticity. And it, and then you got 30 seconds. It really did, even though I know you're a phone guy, it reminded me of creating a TikTok or like an Instagram reel. Like you got two seconds to lay it on there just to grab their attention. If yeah. you have their attention, then you get a little more. You need to tell them a story. You need to tell them something that intrigues them, brings them value, right? Educate them or entertain them, one of the two. 
and then your call to action. And then it's like, all right, dude, let's meet or let's hook up or let's set an appointment or whatever it's going to be. Maybe the social media skills might be good for cold calling. You just didn't realize that the format is the same. Does it sound about right? Sure. Absolutely. And you'll find that our, uh, so like in my company that I run, I mean, our, we're all about social media. We're all about, um, that message. We're all about SEO. If you, if you Google our, our suppliers, we, we sell products from around the world. We don't make them, we sell them, right? We're a sales company. We're a distributor. That's what we do. But if you Google those companies names, especially in my geography, where we cover in parts of the U S and Canada, we come up either above the manufacturer or right below them. And because, and when it comes to social media, we're doing all sorts of things. We're running contests on social media, you know, skill testing, question contests. Uh, we do scavenger hunts where, where we challenge people that uh, for, with good prizes, usually our prizes range for, from uh, the, in a, from zero to five thousand dollars per contest, so you could win the grand prize, might be two grand, and then thousand dollars, five hundred bucks, whatever. And but the only people that can participate are people that understand the world we operate in. So everyone that participates, even though only four or five people win something, they're all key customers, and we can then phone them back, right? And so we do them on LinkedIn, we do them on uh, on Instagram, we do them on Facebook, and um, and we're we're super engaged, but but. The salesmen have nothing to do with it. The salesmen are, it's all my marketing guys, right? And um, and we're we're creating custom content. We, we write articles. All of the content on our website is is uh, written by ourselves so that we don't get hit by Google for, for copying our vendors content or anything like a lot of lazy companies do that. They just cut and paste from their suppliers and Google deranks you for that, right? So, mm -hmm. so we pay attention to all that, but we do that in the marketing side, right? And you know, the sales guys love to want to dabble in that because the, the chairs are more comfortable in marketing than they are in sales. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. We don't have sales. We don't have chairs for <laughs> people. No, but okay. So, so, and I love how you distinguish the two, but you need both, right? You need to have a presence online. You need to have your marketing material out. You need to make those introductory calls, but you also need to have those people who are coming in and closing the sale. So it's, it's worth repeating. Um, you have a book that is teaching people the mechanics of this stuff, right? These right. are the factors and the, the mistakes that are being made. So let people know, how can they, how can they get that information? And I've been saying it, Miguel. I've been saying it. If you want to get the book, you can go to my website or Amazon, my website, you know, glenpoolis.com, and you can link over to the book and you can buy it everywhere books are sold. And, um, or, you know, or if you're talking to me right now, I can share some of the rules with you, you know, fr from the get go, right? But, um, the, I wasn't sure if you were asking where to find the book or, or yeah, yeah, where um, to find the book. Yeah. But now that I got you there. Um, what is your favorite rule? That's a great question. Like, oh, you've, you've probably seen so many. Um, what's the one that always pops up and then the one that maybe doesn't pop up as often, but it's probably the one that sticks in your memory bank all the time. It's, it's, um, it's not the one most people would guess would be my favorite rule because it's buried farther along in the book. Cause, and the rules, they spin out really quickly at the beginning, right? About never sit in the lobby, you know, the name of the book and then a, a bunch of other ones. But my favorite rule is and a lot of people scratch their head they're like you only get forever to make another impression and um yeah right <laughs> <laughs> and they, what are you talking about right and um you know 
your mom or your dad might have said to you, you know, like, you got to make a good impression, son. You got to make a good first impression. You know, make sure that, you know, you've got your suit and tie on or whatever, whatever you're doing, right? You know, you're going to meet the, the father on the prom date or whatever. You want to look good. But for me, it's not about the first impression. It's about every impression, right? Mm. So what I teach my what I teach my staff at work and my salespeople and other people that I've, uh, you know, there's another chapter called My Mentor Made Me Do It, where I, I took a guy that didn't even have a high school and got him a sales career by, by mentoring him all the way through the process. And one of the key rules that I taught him was you only get forever to make another impression. So every time when you're, when you are at work and I always give the analogy that when you hear your boss's Jaguar pull in the driveway and the grum, the, you know, the rumble of that motor or, you know, whatever you hear his car door of his Cadillac Escalade slamming in the parking lot with that distinctive thud or his footsteps through the front door. The second he does that, you turn, you change and you're on. And, and when he walks by, you say, hey, boss, can I ask you a quick question? He comes in, make sure you don't have Facebook up in your right-hand corner of your screen. Don't be that alt-tab guy where you're alt-tabbing between Instagram and, you know, um, you know, your CRM or something like that. You want to be on point every time. And um, because every time your boss walks by you, you're making an impression. Whether mm -hmm. you like it or not, whether it's good or bad. And I got to tell, and I always tell people, I said, when I see you alt tabbing from Facebook over thing, I'm judging you. Yeah. Yeah. And so your boss is judging you too. Right. And uh, isn't it funny how, like, you know, we always say, oh, you know, I, I don't judge. I don't judge. That's just horseshit. Like you judge everything. This is exactly. your human nature. Like yeah. we're literally looking for disruptions in patterns because that's going to save our butt from getting eaten by a lion. We're judging <laughs> everything right. we do. Everything. We may not. Yeah vocalize it right we may not call you on it but we're making mental notes that's boss and customer right exactly exactly so that's why i say with your customers with your with your family with your friends with everyone you know you all, all you always want to be making a good impression because you're making an impression the question right. is what kind of impression is it right so that's one of my favorite ones yeah all right. Um, let's see. I want to make sure that we get uh, enough information out here. I know we've said it a couple of times, but if people want to get a hold of you, talk to you, get training, get the book, how can they do that? Say hello to my little friend. I love those edits. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, w yeah, um, which is on the screen there. It's accurate. And uh, that'll link to all my socials. That'll link to my uh, my book and everything else. Perfect. And then you got a comment. And it's from a Facebook user. Uh, it says, I'm, I'm so glad I jumped on this. I love that note. You only get forever to make another impression. Excited to check out the book. Sweet. Glenn, awesome. thank you very much for coming on the show, my friend. Always a pleasure learning from entrepreneurs. And I hope I held up my end of the bargain and made you smile and had a good time oh on the show. <laughs> Our biggest thing, we use video testimonials all the time. So I'm going to ask you, what was your experience like on the Business Bros podcast? Oh, this was outstanding. This was the best ever, actually. The uh, This was so much fun. And uh, I can tell we've made an impression with some people. So very happy to be here and really glad to be a part of it. Thank you very much, Glenn. And yeah, you made a great first impression. And you got forever to make some more. So awesome. <laughs> all right, ladies and gents, make sure you guys check it out. Uh, Glenn, uh, how do I say your last name? Paulus? Paulus. Poulos. Poulos. Glenn yeah. Poulos. And I'm going to spell it for you guys. G-L-E-N-N-P-O-U-L-O-U. I'm sorry. L-O-S dot com. P-O-U-L-O-S dot com. Go check it out. Pick up the book. Once again, it's called 
never sit in the lobby 57 winning sales factors to grow a business and build a sales career and if you actually know glenn and you're named after one of these factors i, I don't know man i, I kind of want to know if that's you but either way you can pick up the book and like we do on the podcast learn from the mistakes of other entrepreneurs because look they already made the mistakes might as well learn from them don't step in the same holes people like glenn are out there showing you the way forward they're already at a level that you want to be at don't go out there and figure it out for yourself when someone's there showing you how to do it so make sure you guys pick up a copy of the book glennpolis.com glennpolis.com and we'll see you guys again next time peace and we're out Thanks for watching The Business Bros. If you're ready to get more clients and want to work with The Business Bro, visit our website, www.businessbros.biz, and click on the Need More Customers button, or learn how to generate more referrals with our video testimonial packages. Go to www.businessbros.biz and start getting more.